you do need to know that because that's why people will stick mm-hmm. around to get your emails when they're unsubscribing from someone else who's teaching similar things. Hey guys, welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. Today I'm joined by Tarzan Kay, who is an email marketing expert who teaches how to sell big with truth-infused story-based emails. Hey Tarzan, welcome to the podcast. Hey Jazz, thanks for having me today. Yeah, so glad to have you. Okay, so before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got started with copywriting and email? Yes, definitely. So I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a writer. And I was like traveling in Australia and I needed a job and I was like browsing on Gumtree and I saw an ad for copywriter and I was like, okay, well, that's like some kind of writer. So maybe I could do that. And this Mm -hmm. like ad agency hired me as a copywriter, which I wasn't even actually writing copy. I was writing blogs and social media updates and doing a terrible job at it because I had no idea what I was doing. But Actually, the boss didn't know the job either. But then I sort of discovered this world of freelancing and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe this is like something I could do. And so I didn't really take it very seriously until years later when I had a baby and my husband at the time wanted to stay home and like take care of the our child. And I was like, great, because I want to work. So that was when I started my business and I immediately started taking a lot of courses, which I think is what, partly why my business grew really fast. And so I took tons of courses and discovered that that's a niche that I really am interested in and like working in. And so I started specializing in emails and sales pages. And I did that for a couple of years before I transitioned into teaching how to write emails and sales pages because ultimately like I really wanted to write for myself like I love writing Mm -hmm. and writing in others people other people's voices was like not quite doing it for me so now that's what I do today and my business is like really centered around email marketing that's really like the main thing that I do I do a bit of social media and I do webinars and things like that but really like the my best work is still in email and that's also like Mm -hmm. where the sales happen yeah I was gonna say I've always heard that the money is in your list and so can you explain why email marketing is so important for businesses to focus on in addition to what they're doing on social media or any other platform Yeah, I think all of those things, like I do love social media. I spend like half an hour on TikTok every morning watching funny videos and smart videos. (laughs) And but I think all of those, like a lot of those efforts, they really should, if they're working right, then they should feed the email list with consistent new subscribers, because that's usually where the transaction Mm -hmm. happens as opposed to like after clicking on a link on an Instagram story or something. So the email is a lot closer to the sale. And also you will reach a lot more of your people. Like compared to your reach of your followers on Instagram, your reach of your email subscribers is much, much better. Like it should be at least double or triple if you're doing a good job at it. So that's Mm -hmm. probably the main reason to 
I, I like I think it's really important to focus on the email list. Also, you can take it with you wherever you go. Like you can't your Instagram followers, your TikTok followers, like they belong to that platform. When you go to a new platform, you have to start from scratch. So email is really just like a timeless tool and everybody has it. Like lots of people Mm -hmm. don't use Facebook, don't use Instagram or whatever platform. Like email, like 99% of email users check their email every single day, like up to 20 times a day. And it's also where we go to like get things done. That's like where decisions are made and tasks are created as opposed to social media where it's like I'm there to have a good time and be entertained like in Mm -hmm. email I'm actually there to get things done so for me as someone who teaches business skills like that's really where the transaction is happening yeah that makes sense and how soon should people start an email list should you wait until you have a certain number of followers or wait until you're a couple months into your business or what's the best approach for that Oh, I would say start like from day one, like right away. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot less pressure to write emails to a small email list than a big one. So start right away. Like with any new business, it does take time to figure out like what the business is, what the offers will be, who the ideal customer is. And like email is just one piece of that. Like you're also writing updates, like you're bringing people into your world, you are sort of creating an ethos for your business, and figuring out like what you want the mission and the message to be. And I think email is a great place to do that. I think list building should happen from day one of any business. And the minute you're building a list, then you also have to start nurturing that list. Because if you're not nurturing them, you're just collecting email addresses. That's actually not list building. That's just email addresses Mm -hmm. that will not actually help if you're not relationship building at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a mistake that I made when I first started my email list. I was just like, well, there's only like 20 people on here, however many. I don't need to email them every week because you think, oh, it's just a small list. And then as it gets larger, then I'm like, oh, man, this is a lot of people I have to email. (laughs) I need to make sure I'm saying the right thing. And so there's like constantly pressure on both sides, probably. There definitely is. And I think if you just get used to it, well, you have a small email list, like just get used to consistent emailing. And then mm-hmm. it's you're not like it's it's harder to speak to do your speaking debut on a stage in front of a thousand people as opposed to yeah. like a small gymnasium with 12 people. Like think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. So you said that we should be consistent with our emails. So how often should we be emailing our email list? And is there such thing as emailing them too often? Probably there's such thing as emailing them too often. Yeah, but it's probably a lot more than people think. Like some of my subscribers probably think I'm emailing too often when I'm in a promotion and I'm emailing multiple times a day. But really like... I think once a week is a really is a good pace and is something good to aim for. I think if you're like struggling to create the habit and that feels like a lot every other week is also okay. When you're a solopreneur, you have to do a lot of things. So you do have to be realistic Mm -hmm. about like what you can actually commit to. Because I think that consistency is probably the most important thing when it comes to email marketing. Like you're every time you show up when you said you were going to show up like you're building no like and trust and mm. that's incredibly important so weekly i would say weekly and too much like your subscribers 
like I we get, I give my subscribers the option. I email my list twice a month and if they want, they can opt out of all the emails. They can just get a weekly email or even a monthly email. Another thing like this is more advanced, but just as an idea, like you could email your most engaged subscribers weekly and the ones who are less engaged, email them monthly. Like there's so many options, but it really does come down to consistency. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know you just talked about some advanced strategies that you could use. Is there a particular platform that you prefer over the others? I know there's so many out there. Yeah, there are so many out there. And the first thing I want to say to your listeners is like, if what you're using is working, don't switch. Like just work with what Mm -hmm. you have. It's so easy in business to get distracted by this software or that software. Like, oh, I chose lead pages. Maybe I should use like Unbounce. Uh, You can waste Mm -hmm. a lot of time doing that. So, and most of the email service providers out there are really good. Mm -hmm. They're just different. So like, for example, like I do recommend ConvertKit. I think ConvertKit's really easy to use. I think Mm -hmm. it can do basically everything that I want an email marketing platform to do, or at least what I want it to do for my students. We, because we really geek out on email marketing, we really love it. We use ActiveCampaign and Mm -hmm. ActiveCampaign is just like a little bit more robust. However, the learning curve is steep. Like I don't, I'm the boss of the business and I don't log into ActiveCampaign ever. Like it is not <laughs> yeah. an easy to use software. My team does it mm-hmm. and I, I know what it can do. So I tell them, go do this thing and they mm-hmm. implement it for me. But for that reason, I really, lo- I do like ConvertKit. A lot of my students use Flowdesk, which does seem to work pretty good. There's yeah, drip. they have cute There's, like themes and stuff. Yeah, on Flowdesk. That's yeah, what I <laughs> people people do like the cute themes. Yeah, yeah. I have been using ConvertKit for years. I love it. But I recently mm-hmm. launched a course on Kajabi, and Kajabi has email marketing within that platform. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of weighing: should I stay with ConvertKit or should I just use Kajabi since it, I'm already paying for it technically? So we'll see. Well, I I do think like. There is something to be said for using like a dedicated email platform. Like anytime you're using an all-in-one solution and Kajabi, like in terms of all-in-one solutions, like is pretty good, like ditto for Kartra, Mm -hmm. but you do sacrifice some capability. Like the segmentation and tagging is limited. Like we like to use conditional formatting. So like some subscribers see a certain message while other subscribers see a different message. So like it's limiting. Like oh, Kajabi's wow. I didn't even email. Know you could do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's easier to do with like a more robust tool that's built for email marketing. So and, yeah, and also sense. you don't forget like anytime you move your email subscribers to a new platform, you have to build your sender reputation from scratch. So like every time you're like you're sort of building your your deliverability by building relationships. Every time someone opens them and replies, like you're gaining credibility, you're making it to more like primary inboxes. And when you start over with mm-hmm. a new provider, you do have to start from scratch. So oftentimes when you switch providers, there's a drop in deliverability, sometimes a dramatic drop. So again, like don't do it unless you have a really good reason to. And like, I don't think Mm. saving $37 a month is a great reason. 
<laughs> I know it's it's so cheap. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Good to know. I need to start digging into more of the tools of what you can actually do in ConvertKit. I have a lot of automation set up and tagging and all of that, but I had no idea that you could do that conditional formatting. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you write compelling subject lines that get people to actually open up your emails? Because I know we're all bombarded with emails every single day. Mm-hmm. Lots of promo emails. So how do you, yeah, how do we write emails that people, that actually catch people's attention? Okay, well, the first thing with any writing is practice. It's like repeated practice does get, you will get better if you practice more. And also like, it's not just like your subject line is really important. That's for sure. However, what's even more important is the reputation that you have with your subscribers. Like, my subscribers know they're going to get something good from me when they like when I when they see my name in their inbox, they're trained to think like this is going to be entertaining. It might be funny. It's going to be different and it's going to be unexpected. Like mm-hmm. that's really important. However, the subject line is still like a juicy subject line is going to get your email opened. So I do like to use a bit of curiosity. Like I love the word this like this picture says it all, or don't do this at home, or this is so funny, or something, whatever, like any, that word this, like I automatically want to know what is this, Mm -hmm. or even like putting a question mark at the end of any old boring subject line suddenly turns it into like a curiosity building thing. So anytime you can pique someone's curiosity, that really helps. And I also finally want to recommend as a practice, like split test your subject lines, which any email service provider worth its salt should be able to do. You just write two subject lines mm-hmm. and your your provider will split test them and send the winning subject line to the majority of your subscribers. And then as a practice, like when you're writing emails, just always write four subject lines. Like even if you're only going to use one, like you're probably two to split test, maybe even four if you're going to resend to unopens and split test again. Mm-hmm. But like just four subject lines as a practice. Like you're, because if you think about the amount of time you put into writing an email, it's like an hour or two, or let's say an hour. Mm-hmm. And then like three minutes into the subject line, like that's just not enough practice. So always writing four yeah. subject lines and preferably even more, honestly, like you might, If you write four subject lines, you probably will find the fourth one is the best one. And then maybe you want to Mm -hmm. noodle with that fourth one. Like your first one's not going to be good. So don't settle for the first one. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. I never thought, I guess I've split tested a couple of times, but does it matter how big your email list is in order to split test? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. I think like ideally, this is hard to say, people will give different opinions about this, but I think in mm-hmm. order to do a meaningful test, you really do want to have a few hundred subscribers. And in my dream scenario, okay. like maybe 500 to 1,000. However, you okay. can still do it. Like uh, oftentimes your email service provider won't prevent you from doing a split test. So I would just do it anyway, knowing that you're mm-hmm. not going to get very meaningful results if you have like 75 or even 250 subscribers. Yeah. But 500 isn't bad. I was expecting Mm -hmm. it to be way higher than that. Mm -mm. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Can you remember an email that you wrote that got the most engagement, what the subject line was, or even what the email was about? Yeah, well, actually, just funny enough, like just this week on Tuesday, 
I sent an email that probably got more engagement than any email I've ever sent. Like I got dozens of replies. And funny enough, like it had nothing to do with business. It was about, what was it about? So it was about my divorce. And Mm. it was just a personal story about like coming through divorce and things that I am working on and feeling. And it was like just a really emotional kind of vulnerable share. It was very real. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of about like, People who haven't been divorced just have no idea, like, how hard it is. And people who have been divorced are like, oh, yeah, okay, like, you're... Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I wrote an email about that, and I did get one email from a subscriber who said, I unsubscribed, and I just want you to know, like, good for you for telling your story, but actually people don't care. So that was one email. (laughs) And then there were 35 others that were like, oh my God, Tarzan, I feel so seen. Like, I haven't been divorced, but I've been through this other thing. And, oh, I just Mm -hmm. remembered, like, at the end of the email, I had said how, like, storytelling has been one of the greatest healing tools for me, and I encourage people Mm -hmm. to tell their stories. So a lot of people replied and shared their stories. Like, engagement does tend to be better when you ask for it. Like, if you say, Mm -hmm. hit reply and tell me this thing. And honestly, like, any time I really share from the heart, I do tend to get a lot of replies. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like it also makes you seem more relatable and like a real person, not just Mm -hmm. this robot behind the email. Mm -hmm. That's probably something that I could even do better at is getting more personal and just sharing what's going on in my Mm -hmm. life versus like constantly just writing about business all the time. Right. And that is not for everyone. Like, I think people sometimes see what I'm doing and they're like, well, I don't want to be that vulnerable or I don't want to share that much or even like I'm not a personal brand. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. The point is, is my emails, even though, yes, I do write about business and email marketing, like they have a unique flavor that other people in the industry don't have. So yours might Mm -hmm. not be like personal sharing from your own life, but it is important to know like what is the unique value proposition of your email list? Like what makes it different from what other people are doing. You you do need to know that because that's why people will stick Mm -hmm. around to get your emails when they're unsubscribing from someone else who's teaching similar things. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So I guess one thing that I have been working on, I guess I recently launched a new course in January and have been focusing on creating like an evergreen funnel for that. And at first I kind of learned several different strategies when it comes to launch sequences and how long they should be. Some are like 10 days, five days, email every day, multiple times a day. So I'm curious, do you have like a rule of thumb for when you're doing these launches, especially for courses, since that's what you work with a lot, how long sequences should be? No, I don't at all. And I think like I hesitate to give such advice because mm-hmm. I do feel like the industry is really changing right now. And that model of like promoting for a short period of time and sending a ton of emails, like it works. We just did it and we have mm-hmm. like 170 students in our program. So it does work, but it doesn't work as well as it once did, which could be because we're in a 
economic crisis and like glo- the whole everybody around the world is like in shock right. and grieving. So I don't want to blame it on the mm-hmm. marketing strategy. However, I do just really want to encourage my students to try things in their email marketing and see like what feels good to you. What do your customers respond to? Like in our last, like we used to do for our email stars summer program, we would do like a five to seven day cart open time. So for let's say six days, we're emailing every day, multiple times a day on the last two days. Mm -hmm. And then it's over. And then we go back to our regular pace. Like that worked. This year, we just wanted it to be more spacious for our students. We didn't want to feel like we were pushing people. We still send a lot of emails, but we had a two-week card open time. So there were days when Mm. we didn't email at all. And that also worked. So there are just so many ways of doing it. And in the online business industry, there's just like a lot of people selling their systems and I like systems. I'm, I'm good at following like a step-by-step program. However, I also just feel like any system that someone teaches you, like take, just consider that as like one way and right. test it and make it your own based on like what mm-hmm. feels good and what your customers want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What works for one person it may not work for someone else. So yeah, it's always good to try things out. Exactly. Yeah. So when looking at your emails and kind of evaluating how they're performing, what are some of the key metrics that you should be looking at? Well, that's a good question because this is also changing. Like with new like privacy protection rules, email open rates and click-through rates are no longer as reliable as they once were. I think you can still look at them, but just you have to really consider that those numbers are not what they look like. So if your email provider is reporting 40% open rate and you have a thousand subscribers, that doesn't actually mean that 400 people opened your email, but you can think about it as like a four out of 10 and just sort of use that as like a baseline to compete with. But the percentage will not be accurate because of mail, but because of these new data protection rules that are coming into place like globally. And I think data privacy is is like just a bigger issue that's only going to get bigger. So we don't actually know for sure who opened and how many opened, but you can sort of use that number as a bit of a gauge. Uh, However, I think what's far more important is paying attention to the quality and quantity of replies, because that is something that no provider, like, or no, like, it can't be faked. Like, if there's Mm -hmm. 36 people in my inbox telling me, like, their own stories like I know I've hit on something that's really important right so I would say really as the number one thing to to track and pay attention to even if it's just like taking anecdotal evidence um Mm -hmm. it would definitely be the number and quality of email replies from subscribers yeah I know I love when I get responses to my emails (laughs) I'm like Mm -hmm. oh yeah there are people on the other side so I want to hear from you so Yeah, if you're listening to this and you get a bunch of emails from other entrepreneurs and creators, definitely respond. I'm sure they would love to hear from you. So what are some, I guess, areas of inspiration for you when it comes to business? I've heard about your love of Kanye West and how Mm. he's influenced your business. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. 
Yeah, so Kanye West really like got me through a real like one of the hardest years of my life. And I never listened to his music until like September 2021. And mm-hmm. when my friend came over and was like, hey, I want to play this song, Ultralight Beam, for you. It's by Kanye West. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't <laughs> think I like that guy, but okay, fine. And <laughs> then I listened to that song about 20 times in a row and discovered that I really love the music of Kanye West. And uh, specifically, like, his later albums. And... Mm-hmm. Like, I, it really got me through such a hard time. And because I was also writing about this hard time, that it was my divorce, I ended up mm-hmm. writing a lot about Kanye and realizing that he is a very controversial character. Like, one time I got oh, 275 yeah. people unsubscribed from a single email oh, that my was gosh. about Kanye West. Yeah. Wow. So I learned to be careful about, like, it's hard to talk about complicated people. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, Like, especially people who, like, a a black man with mental illness. Like, that's complicated. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's, like, something that I'm willing to do. Like, I'm willing to have complicated conversations that people don't want to have. And that's something that I've really learned about myself over the last year is, like, I've talked about Kanye. I also talk about being a cult survivor and the crossover between cult tactics and online marketing tactics, which there's a lot. So that's a theme that comes up a lot. I talk about love and relationships. I talk about life and also like the just complex nature of online business because I do really think this industry has a lot like to learn and really Mm -hmm. like the marketing tactics that I learned, I didn't realize, but like they are really like like the this the tradition that these tactics came out of is like not a tradition of like respect for the customer and agency and critical thinking like it's actually a lot of the tactics we learn are designed to be coercive and take away people's ability to Mm. think critically so Those are some themes that come up a lot. And I think I've gotten pretty good at handling tough topics. It means that people unsubscribe from my list a lot. I have a higher than normal unsubscribe rate (laughs) and we know why. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. But I also like what I have observed in myself is the same topics that really like drive subscribers away and cause people to unsubscribe are the same topics that cause subscribers to step in closer and to listen Mm -hmm. more deeply and to join the conversation. So I don't think everybody needs to send polarizing emails in order to be Mm -hmm. successful, but I do think that any successful business, like, like, what do you stand for? Like, that's what Mm -hmm. makes email marketing and being in business, like, really worthwhile. So... I do think that's important for your listeners to consider as they're growing a brand and an email list to really like take Mm -hmm. some time to think about like, what are your principles as a business? Like, do you have a mission and values and how can you express that in your email marketing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important to keep in mind. I always try to remember you can't please everyone and I'm not here to please everyone. And the people that 
like to hear me be because I'm very honest too and open about my opinion and the people that want to hear that will stick around and those that don't want to be there will leave and that's cool so yeah I think Mm. part of becoming an entrepreneur you also definitely have to develop tough skin so yeah it's not for everyone but uh it is not (laughs) for sure I'm like oh you don't like it okay well sorry and of course we probably both weren't at that point maybe years Mm. ago it might have hurt our feelings and we felt some type of way about it but Mm. at this point it's like mm, people are gonna come and go and yeah the right people will stick around so that's good also you have to protect your space and your environment and you're going through tough times too you don't need any negative energy or anyone bringing you down so agreed cool well one of the last questions i always ask my guests is what is the most important lesson you've learned when it comes to entrepreneurship that you wish you had learned sooner well I really, like, it took me several years to understand that, like, all of these, like, some of the identities that I hold, like, being a white woman, being thin and attractive and charismatic and having an education, like, all of these all of these identities that I hold came together in a package that made it easier for me to be successful than people who don't hold those same identities. And mm-hmm. like that, I was teaching all these business strategies thinking like, if you just do this thing, you'll be successful like me. And of course, I saw so many people not being successful using the same strategies. And I initially was like, well, I think that's probably just because they didn't do it right or they're not good copywriters or whatever. And it took me a long time to see like the expert scene, this whole idea that anybody is an expert, like that (laughs) is a really privileged like white person opinion that Mm. I I, like just sort of bought wholesale. Like you could be an expert in anything. It's like, like, (laughs) no, you can't. (laughs) No, you can't. (laughs) So that like it took me... Like it was in my third or fourth year in business when someone in my audience like actually pointed out, pointed this out to me and came to me and really like articulated the ways that my whiteness was impacting the way that I do business. And I'm so grateful to that person and will remember her for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life because it really changed the way like it set me on a whole different trajectory. And I I don't know if I want to say like I have regrets or like I wish I knew that sooner, but like for people Mm -hmm. who are like I'm in a leadership role and I think like we need our leaders to like have diverse perspectives and I didn't Mm -hmm. for a long time. So anyway, I'm learning. Yeah, no, I love that, that you can acknowledge that there's areas that you can improve on and continue learning. Mm, That's huge. Definitely. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I love that you also are focused on improving the diversity around you, whether that's in your business and also like the opportunities that you accept. I know you try to prioritize diverse people in businesses when you're doing speaking gigs or podcast Mm -hmm. episodes and that sort of thing. So yeah, that is super helpful. So thank you for doing Mm. that. Mm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really helpful episode and so glad I got to meet you. Can you go ahead and tell people where they can find you? So you can find me at TarzanK.com. I'm on Instagram a little bit, but really like the place to get to know me and to be in my world is to join my email list, which you can do at TarzanK.com. 
slash join. I have like for those who don't like to read emails so much, you can also get them as an audio podcast. And that's really where I do my best work. And I also read all of my email replies. So you can hit reply. You can talk to me. We have our, we're running our summer program email stars right now, but we'll reopen it again around Black Friday. And uh, yeah, come hang out in my world. It's a fun place to be. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode.